Let's just give him an offering this morning. He is worthy of our praise. This morning, let's just give everything to him. Let's give him all we have. Let him take care of our problems. I will sing when the world is upside down. I will sing though the troubles overwhelm. I will sing when the reason can't be found. I will sing though my heart is on the ground. And all through the chaos, we will For the weary, the hope and the healer, the God above all things, that's who you are. You are the truth that is standing when the world is changing. You are forever, Lord of it all. Yeah, that's who you are.
you unravel me with the melody surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me Your love has called my name I've been born again Until you fail Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear Yes, I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear Yes, I am a child
Well, smile for me, please. You look like you're a little bit discouraged today. Are you glad to be here? All right, that's cool. As David said, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we started a series last week called Reboot. As we're in a new year, we're in January, and I think it's a great time for us to always evaluate. We look back at the year uh, before, and we you know, evaluate, and we look at the year ahead, and we're just like, all right, God, what can we change? What do we need to do in a new year? Sometimes our life is like that computer. You get bogged down. You get all this heavy stuff going on, and it just is good to get a fresh start from time to time. You know, when a computer does that, you look for the power plug or the power button. You reboot it, and usually everything comes back up, and it's running efficiently as it should be. Um, and so last week, we talked about a very important discipline of prayer. Prayer is powerful, and it's something that we need to, as followers of Christ, engage in regularly. And I gave you an acronym, PRAY, which is started with praise, and then repent, and then ask, and then yield. And I challenged you to just spend the rest of this month uh, purposefully praying, and, and I've had some people saying that they've used that, it's helped them um, during this week, and so that's encouraging. Uh, but hopefully that we will evaluate and we'll challenge ourselves in this new year as we consider this idea of rebooting or a fresh start. And so today I want to talk to you for a few moments about the Word of God, and the title of the message is Reconnecting with God's Word. Reconnecting with God's Word. You know, years ago, I bought this little thing called Garmin, a GPS navigational system. I remember going to Best Buy and looking for the right one and picking it up. And 
We bought it, and we, we, we brought it home, and we knew we didn't need it around Amarillo because we knew our way around. But if we went on a trip, we're going to make sure and we're going to take the Garmin with us. And because she was a, a special part of our lives, I had to give her a name. Her name was Wilma. And the reason I called her Wilma is because if I got mad at her, I just always envisioned uh, Fred Flintstone yelling, Wilma! You know, and I think I yelled at Wilma a few times. But she went with us on these trips when we didn't know exactly where we were going. One time, I had to make a trip to Alabama. Uh, I'd never been to Alabama before, but my best friend's mom passed away. Um, Jimmy Patton, a good friend of mine too, he's the one that led me to Christ years ago. It was his wife. And so I flew out to Pensacola, Florida, got a rental car. And the first thing I did when I got out of the airport and opened my, my suitcase, I found Wilma. And I got her out and I plugged her in, punched in an address, and off we went from Florida up to southwest Alabama. Now, I'd never been there before, so I knew that there were a few turns that I was going to have to make. And once you got through this little town, Andalusia, there was going to be some back roads that I was going to take. Left, right, go a little ways, turn right, turn left, dirt roads. And I knew that if I didn't memorize that or didn't have a good um, guidance system, I wouldn't find out where it was that I needed to go. Something cool about GPS, isn't it? The Global Positioning System. I don't have to understand completely how it works. All I know is when I'm connected to that, it, it triangulates where I'm at, and it gives me guidance. And that's a pretty cool invention, wouldn't you say? Some, some of you guys probably use that religiously. I remember when I was a kid, they'd say, hey, turn left at the old Sonic and go two blocks or whatever. Now it's, you don't even listen to that anymore. You just punch it in and hope it takes you to the right place. But one time, as I was there, as I was driving down the road, um, this area of Alabama has a lot of trees, and I was driving down this dirt road, and I hadn't really paid attention to what the next turn was going to be. And so I was thinking, you know, I don't know when to turn, because the, the trees obstructed the view to the satellites. And you know what that means, right? Disconnected. No service. No connection. So the GPS is like, lost connection. You're on your own, sucker. You know, that's what it was like. And I just remember thinking, I hope I get signal back before the next turn, or I might turn onto the wrong property. And people in Alabama, I think they're kind of crazy, and they might shoot at me, and I don't like that. So um, please, Lord, let the GPS come back online. And so I remember just being a little anxious, a little worried. Finally, you know, I get out of the trees, and boom, satellite comes back on, make the turn, go to where I was going, um, and, and everything worked out well. As I was thinking about GPS, you know, God has given us, as a follower of Christ, our own GPS, and we call it God's positioning system, God's Word. And I don't have to understand how God works all the time. How many know His ways are not our ways? Sometimes we don't understand what He's up to. I don't always have to know exactly how He works. All I know is the connection is extremely important in my life. And for us, as a follower of Christ, I believe that we need to consider this as a new year is just this reconnecting to the Word of God. Now, I know some people are faithful at reading the Word. Maybe you read it cover to cover. For some people, they're like, if I get time, I'll work it in. Some, it's a devotional on your phone. But just really taking a fresh look at the Word of God. We need to be grounded. We need to be connected with the Word of God, especially in the world that we live in today with all the chaos going around us. You know, people are asking a lot of questions. There's a lot of concern. In fact, I was going to share this a little bit later, but I'll share with you now. Um, I was reading back in April, there was an article that came out on a lot of the news sites. Um, they were talking about the increase in Bible sales during coronavirus. It was in April of 2020. It says, people are turning to religion during the coronavirus pandemic. Fox News reports that Bible sales are up as the coronavirus spreads. It says, um, Alabaster Company, which sells religious book geared, uh, books geared towards the Instagram generation, reported a sales increase of 
percent compared to last year. <clears throat> the quote of the co-founder, he says, in this life-altering and unprecedented pandemic, people are looking for hope and restoration. And so they're buying their Bibles. Lifeway Christian Resources um, said that their sales were up 62% as of that last week in April of last year compared to the year before, up 62% in Bible sales. <clears throat> that CEO says, we believe this is no accident as people often go to the Bible as a source of hope in times of crisis and uncertainty. People draw hope from scriptures because in it they see a God who is with us during our suffering. Tyndale reports uh, a 44% uptick in Bible sales this year. It's true that when times get tough, people usually find themselves close to or desiring to be closer to the Word of God, just to dig in there. What's going on? What's happening? It's a source of hope. And I believe as a follower of Christ, much like the GPS, we need to be intentional with a spiritual discipline of Bible study, reading the Word, to connect with our Father through his word, and I believe it grounds us, I believe it gives us hope, I believe it gives us understanding, and it helps us in our life. Amen, are you with me so far? So let me tell you why I believe that we need to be grounded into the word of God. Number one, it's gonna sound like a big duh, but it's this, it's God's word. Think about that for just a second. God, who holds everything together, you know, God who created it all, God who sits in total power over the whole earth. He is sovereign. That means he is all-powerful. There's no one more powerful than him. If you think about the attributes of God, he is omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all the time. This God who sits above the earth, outside of our elements, he's not limited to time and space, this God wrote a book. It's pretty cool, right? This God wrote a book, it's his word, and he wants us to know him through his word. This God has spoken. How do we know this is God's word? Well, 2 Timothy 3, Paul is talking to Timothy, his son in the faith, and before he says, um, you know, there's a time coming when people are not going to listen to sound teaching. There's a time coming when there's going to be a lot of wickedness, and people are going to gather around themselves teachers who will tell them only what their itching ears want to hear. So Timothy preached the word in season, out of season. I mean, don't ever, don't ever get away from the word of God. But earlier in that chapter, chapter three, he tells Timothy, all scripture, say all scripture. So all scripture is inspired by God or is God breathed and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, the word, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Focus on those first few words of verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is God breathed. God breathed, inspired the scriptures through holy men who spoke. Peter, 2 Peter 1.20 says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative no those prophets were moved by the spirit of God as they spoke from God so God says I want to write a book and I'm going to use these writers to do it and he breathed and listen this is the cool thing he didn't dictate exactly how they would write he let them use their own personalities their own styles but make no mistake about it God's word is inspired it's a holy book 
Now, many can claim to have holy books, or many other religions claim to have holy books. Shoot, I could write a book. I'm not really good at it, but I could write a book and say, the word of God doesn't make it inspired. It doesn't make it holy. It doesn't make it the word of God. What sets this holy Bible, this word of God that we carry to church, that we read, what sets it apart from all the other books? It stands in a category all on its own. What sets it apart? Well, can I just tell you for centuries, for generations, it has been tested and it has been proven to be accurate and to be the authoritative, inerrant words of Almighty God. For generations, people have tested it. They said, you know what, I'm going to prove the Bible false. One comes to mind is Lee Strobel. You remember his story? He wrote a great book called, um, what is it called? The Case for Christ. He was an atheist, and he was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and his wife had gone to church, and she had become a Christian. And, and from what I remember, it's like this offended him, and so he was going to, as an atheist, set out to disprove Christianity. And so he began to do what investigators do. He investigated, and he started asking questions and going to these top biblical scholars and just digging into the Word and looking at all the different places that are mentioned, and he's looking for evidence so that he can just refute the Word of God, like many other people have done over the centuries. And, you know, the story is, Lee said in his search to disprove the Word of God, he submitted to the authority of God's Word, and he became a follower of Christ himself. There's power in the Word of God. It's been tested. People have said that that can't be, that, you know, that, that, that never happened. And archaeologists have set out and done their exploration and dug, and they've proven that there was, in fact, a little town called Jericho. The walls are there. They did, in fact, prove different places and things. It's been tested. It's been proven. That's why we should be grounded in it. It is the word of God. It stands in a category all of its own. How about prophecies? I think there's, um, in Islam, there's one prophecy, it's like a self-fulfilled prophecy that Muhammad would return to, to Mecca, but consider the word of God just as it relates to Jesus the Messiah. 300 around, over 300 prophecies that speak of Jesus, where he'll be born, right? All of these different things, what his name will be, all of these prophecies concerning Jesus that came um, to fruition, they were fulfilled 100% accuracy. And you think about just what is, the, what is the potential of one prophecy being fulfilled? And then consider the word of God, the holy God-breathed word, the prophecies about Jesus and many other prophecies that were fulfilled completely. And what's cool is a lot of these prophecies were filled, fulfilled some 200 and 250 years after the one that made the prophecy had died. That's pretty cool, isn't it? How many of you know this is a pretty cool book? That makes it amazing, doesn't it? Some of you don't look like you're convinced, but this book that you hold in your hand is a special, precious, amazing book. It stands alone. It stands in a category. No other book will ever come close to it. In fact, it is the most printed. It's not even close books of all time. Highest bestseller all time, the word of God. It is his word. It has stood the test of time. It's been tested. It is proven. It's God's revelation of himself to us. We should look into it. What are the implications of that truth? If this is God's word, if he breathed his words, and, and we, we see them today in the collected books of the Bible, the word of God, what are the implications of that? Um, let me just tell you, it changes everything. When I read stories, events, and things that happen, and I see how God responded in those stories, it gives me a revelation of who he is and how he responds to his people, right? It shows me this God that we trust. It's like It just builds hope in my life. I know that the same God 
who is with Daniel in the lion's den is with me today. No matter what is going on in my life, it changes everything. I can know that he's with me. I can have hope in him because others have demonstrated what it looks like to have hope in him throughout the scriptures. It changes everything, doesn't it? So I said, everybody's, you run into the, the Bibles in times of difficulties or they're just going to God's word because it's a source of hope, encouragement, and encouragement in dark times. So it changes everything. We can know this God and we can know how he relates to man. And the thing that I think is the most precious to me is this is like God's love letter to his people. You think about it, God could be in heaven and like, I don't care what people think. I'm just going to do my thing and whatever they want to believe is fine. But he breathed, he inspired a book to be written so that you could get to know him. That you could know his attributes, you could know the things that we shouldn't do, we should do, the things that please him, and you can know how to be made right with him. And all these, he loved us enough that he gave us this precious word. It's like a love letter. Now, I don't know about you, and today we don't see those very often, but back in the day before text messages, before email, we would write and send and receive letters. How many of you ever got a love letter in the mail? Oh, that's so sweet, wasn't it? Puppy love. Mail comes in and you see that name on there and maybe a heart stamped on it. And you're like, oh. imagine taking that letter and walking in the house and throwing it on the counter and thinking, oh, I'll get to it in a couple of days. Mm-mm. Right? I mean, I remember looking into the back and seeing if it was sealed with a kiss, literally. I'm like, hey, look, where's the lipstick? Smelling it. The perfume. Didn't matter if it was one paper or five pages. You're like, man, this person wrote a lot of stuff in here. And you just read it and you analyze it. Not only did you skim through it, but you're analyzing every word. What does she mean by that? What's between the lines? And then the, the favorite part of all is at the end of the letter, you look for that famous XO, hug, hug, keys, keys, little hug. Yeah, I'll watch it. I love letters. It's just, when I think of that, I think of God's word, and that's his love letter to us. Isn't that special? That he loves us enough, he says, I want you to know me. I want you to know that you can trust me. I want you to be connected with me, to know me in an intimate way. It has stood the test of time. It's God's word. That's why we should be grounded on it. That's why we should practice uh, the spiritual discipline of reading the word and Bible study. Another reason we need to do it is because it transforms us. How many agree the word of God transforms lives? There were things that I used to do. <laughs> I was ornery. I don't know if you believe that or not, but I was. Um, I used to see somebody hitchhiking, and I'd roll my window down as I was driving by. Need a ride? Yeah. Hope you find one. And I would just keep on going. <laughs> I was a turkey, man. I was, I was mean. And that's just the innocent stuff. But I, I did a lot of things that I'm not really proud of. But I just remember as I've, as I've read the word, I've heard the word preached over time, it's transformed my life. I'm no longer the person that I used to be because God's word is powerful. And it has this effect of transforming our lives. Look back at that passage in 2 Timothy before that favorite passage, that famous passage uh, that we just read. <clears throat> the Verse 15, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. You hear what he's saying? He's like, the, the Word of God is giving you the wisdom to know how to be made right with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's transforming. And in it, that's how we know 
that we have a sin problem. It's how we know that God had a plan. His story of redemption from cover to cover is poured out to us. It is a transformational book. The Bible says for those of us who are followers of Christ, he says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As we're renewing our mind, Paul also reminds us in Romans 10, he says, um, and, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as we read the word of God, it has this effect on transforming us day after day. I think that's pretty powerful, isn't it? In fact, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive, say alive. You think about, I read a lot of books. I read, nah, that's a lie. I don't read a lot of books. I've tried to read. I started a lot of books. That's probably more accurate, isn't it? I started a lot of books. And they were really good at the beginning. But then squirrel and whatever else happens in my ADD mind. Um, but there are a lot of good books that are out there. And they're just, you know, words on a paper. But God's word is active. It's alive. Have you ever read a scripture Maybe you read that scripture, that verse, several times, and you always look at it from one angle, one angle, one angle. And then one day, as you're praying and you're reading the scriptures, God shows you, he illuminates a different thing that you probably never even saw before. Church, that's an alive word of God. Hebrews says, for the, the word of God is powerful. It's alive and powerful. It is sharper than in the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Word of God transforms our lives. Back to the passage in 2 Timothy 3, he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Useful for what? Useful to teach us what is true. How many know we need right doctrine in a day and an age when people want to believe everything and anything? It teaches us what is true. And it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. Oh, I learned a long time ago, children, obey your parents for this honors the Lord, you know. And you're thinking, wow, I learned that in the scriptures. I learned how to show respect to people, how to forgive people, how to respond in situations. It tells us what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, his word, his transforming word, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. How many know that this is an important book? And if we are followers of Christ and he has given us this book, it's his word, God breathed to us, it is transforming, then we're going to benefit when we open it up and read its scriptures. Now, there's a, there's a big if in that. Because Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells the story of the wise and the foolish builders. And you know the story, right? And, and the whole gist of that parable is those who listen to these teachings of mine and then put them into practice or like the wise man who built his house on the rock. So it's not what we know with the word of God, but it's what we do with it as we read it. It has the ability to transform our lives. And so we should commit to reconnecting God's word, being rooted in God's word because it transforms us. How many of you can say, God's word is transforming me? Has been transforming me. And lastly, I think it's what's special is it's a place where we... Think of fellowship, think of communion, think of meeting with Jesus. You know, we read about Jesus and what he did for us and how he made us right with God through the gospel. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh. And so when we dig into the word and we uh, reveal the truths of God's word, it's like we're spending some time with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've spent some special quality time in the word and just come away from that with a whole different perspective and attitude. Amen? 
It's like, man, I, I just felt like I spent some great time with a best friend or with that favorite grandparent, you know? Just spending some time in the word. It, it's a place where we meet Jesus, it's a place where we get to know the heart of God. It is a special place. And so if that is true of the word of God, how important is it for us, especially in a time of uncertainty? I don't know if you're like me, but I'm, I'm watching the news. I'm ignoring some of it, and I'm digging for well, another perspective on it. But you hear all the stuff that's going on around, right now in our country, and you're wondering, who's got the truth? Who's got the, the, the deal. I mean, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that, and, and I'm in borderline conspiracy theory. I'm like, I'm about to go nuts over here. And at the end of the day, I just want to know what truth is. What's the truth? God's word is the ultimate truth. Jesus, when he's praying to the Father, he said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. He says, your word is truth. You know what the truth is today? We need to ground ourselves right here in the ultimate truth. It never changes, no matter who sits in the White House. It never changes. God's in control. So, I should mention, it's very important to understand, this is a spiritual book. You know, when you place your faith in Christ, he puts his Holy Spirit in you. And the Bible says one of the ministers of the Holy Spirit is to reveal truth to us. And because this is a spiritual book, I believe that, you know, an unsaved person can read it and grab it and say, I just don't get it, it doesn't make sense to me, put it up and walk away from it. But when the Holy Spirit illuminates this word of God, these words of God, it comes alive and it has a power in the life of the believer. It's a spiritual book. And so I don't think we should approach it like we would approach another book that was written. I believe we begin with prayer. If this book was written by God, then I want to make sure I understand that book. What did you mean? What did you intend? What is your heart? I want to make sure I understand it correctly. And so I'm going to begin with prayer, which we talked about last week. But just say, God, this is your word. And I want to understand your word today. I want to know your heart. I want to know what it, what it means. Would you please reveal wonderful truths to me out of your word? In fact, that's Psalm 119, verses 18 through 24. It says, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions I'm only a foreigner in the land. That's relevant today, isn't it? Don't hide your commands from me. I'm always overwhelmed with the desire for your regulations. You rebuke the arrogant. Those who wander from your commands are cursed. Don't let them scorn and insult me, for I have obeyed your laws. Even princes sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your decrees. Your laws please me. They give me wise advice. And so I think that we begin by saying, God, this is your word. And I'm not a scholar. I don't understand it fully. So would you please do what only you can do? Would you reveal to me the truth of your word? I believe it's a spiritual book and we should approach it with prayer. Amen? I also believe that we need to make it a habit. Now, sometimes you can come to church and maybe you've got something heavy on your, your heart. It's just weighing on you and you're just coming in the weight of the world on your shoulders. And the preacher could speak on a subject, a topic that... Just in that one service, you feel like the whole weight is lifted off of you and you walk away going, I needed that. Have you ever experienced that before? It's the power of the word of God, right? But oftentimes, it's more like the vitamins that we take regularly. You know, we take those things and we don't see an immediate effect on them, but over time, that just that regimen and that discipline of taking them all the time, we see benefits from it. And I believe that that is a benefit of um, the spiritual discipline of regularly getting into God's word. You say, all right, Shane, I get it, man. It's a, it's a holy book. Nothing compares to it. Um, it. It's a powerful book. It transforms my life. And I, I need to get into the habit. But, I mean, I've tried it before. And when I did, I just, man, I, 
When I was growing up, I was told there was only one book and one book only that I needed to get, one Bible. I remember I was a teenager and I asked my mom, Mom, which Bible should I get? And I didn't know at that point that there were many translations. I thought there was just the, the right one and the wrong one. You know, you go to the store and you're like, I don't know, I want a Holy Bible. I don't know, they all say that. Which one do you want? And I remember her telling me, you know, you only get the authorized version and it was King James only and, and all that stuff that I grew up in and, and not knocking it because it is a very good um, translation, but it's archaic in its language. And I remember just picking that up and reading it, whither thou hast goest, you know, wherefore. I mean, I just remember reading that going, who talks like that? And I struggled with it, even praying, like, God, I just, this is English. And, you know, that makes sense, though, now when I go back to my English classes. So, but anyways, that, that, I just remember struggling with that. And, and I would get frustrated, and I would just set it to the side, and I wouldn't touch it for a long time. And so my, my attitude today, my approach as a minister is this, which is the right translation? Ooh, he's going to lay it out. Which is the one? Because there's some that are just not good. You know, the, some of my friends will say, the NIV, yes, stands for nearly inspired, because it ain't inspired, Right? And they would say funny things like that. So, which is the right translation? And you know what the answer to that is? The one that you will read. Get one that you understand. Get into the practice of reading the word of God. There are many good ones out there. I would say I wouldn't go to the, uh, the, the, what do you call them, the paraphrases. I don't think those are healthy and safe. But there are many good translations of the Bible out there. And I would say get one that makes sense. You pick it up, you read it, and you're like, man, it just makes sense to me. The one that you read is, is the right one for you because I would rather have a version that some might think is a weaker translation and have people reading it regularly because here's what they're going to find is from cover to cover there's a theme and from cover to cover there's a story and God's going to reveal his plan for the ages and for you if you commit to reading his word and I believe that and so I would rather someone pick up a translation that maybe others would scoff at and read it regularly than to have the holiest one that Jesus carried when he was going to tabernacle in the old days I'm kidding, because it's translations way after that. But then to take the perfect translation that you can't understand, can't read, and it sits on a shelf, and you're missing, you're missing the valuable revelation of God's word. So I'd say <clears throat> regularly read the word. For some of you, it may be a daily devotion. Let me just get back into that. You know, Oswald Chambers used to have the morning and evening, little devotion, have a Bible verse. Get that out, read it, look at the commentary, but, but don't skip this part because I grew up in a, in, a, in a ministry that would look at one verse and take it out of context, and I got some messed up theology throughout my life, and, and I learned a very important truth, and that is context is key. And so I say, who wrote it? Why are they writing it? What does it say before the verse and after the verse? So read your devotional, but, but, but go deeper than that. Grab your word and read a bigger context and see. Make sure that what you're reading is, right, the Bible says that we should rightly divide the word of truth, right? Study to show ourselves approved. Maybe it's the Psalms. There's a lot of uh, beauty in the Psalms. And I would encourage you maybe to grab the Psalms and go through them. One of my favorite ones is Proverbs. There's a ton of wisdom in Proverbs. In fact, I think it should be required reading for every, let's say, 15-year-old boy. <laughs> Read it and you'll know what I'm talking about, right? There's just wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And here's a cool thing. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, one for every day. So just say, hey, I want to commit to reading through the book of Proverbs. On the first, I'm going to read the first, you know, and so on and so forth. But read through the Proverbs. There's much wisdom in the Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 16 says, how much better to get wisdom than gold? I looked at the price of gold this morning. It's about $1,800 an ounce, a little over that. Whew, that's pretty valuable, isn't it? $1,800 an ounce. And yet this proverb says, how much better to get wisdom? Where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes from God. 
God's word. How much better it is to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. See, I think that there is a, is a trouble today in the church, and that is our lack of understanding, knowing, and being committed to the word. And I don't say this to make anybody feel bad, but just think about it. How do we know a counterfeit when it's put in front of us? It's we know the word. We know the true word of God. And so when we hear something, we go, that, that doesn't make sense of the word of God. And you're comparing it to the word of God that I've read. And so God's word will keep us from falling prey to some false teachings. There's a phrase that I like. It says, this book will keep you from sin. But sin will keep you from this book. Maybe consider that as we consider the, the first of a new year, reconnecting, just fresh start, taking a fresh look, reconnecting with God's word and see the benefits that it has for our lives. In it, God uses it to transform us. It's a special book and I, I just want to encourage you and challenge you to find some sort of a, a routine to get into Maybe you just say, I want to read just the Pauline epistles. Those are that's some good ones. And you just focus there. Hey, I just want to read the Gospels. Listen, if you've never read through the Bible and, and you're kind of kicking the tires of this faith thing, I challenge you to read the Gospel of John because the Gospel of John is loaded with everything you need to know about who Jesus is and what God does through Jesus for us. It's powerful, isn't it? But I just encourage you to read it. Because there's power in the word of God. Spiritual disciplines. Prayer, we talked about last week. The study of God's word, the reading of God's word. Both of those are very important in the life of the believer. And we benefit greatly whenever we practice those disciplines. Do you agree with that statement? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your word. I thank you that you love us enough that you didn't leave us without a manual for life. That you could have left us down here with no idea of how to live life and how to be made right with you, but you loved us enough that you gave us your word. God, I thank you for that. I thank you, Father, that it is not a boring book, that it's, that it's not a, um, just a, a stagnant book, but that it is alive and that it is powerful, that times we open it up and you know exactly what it is that we need to hear in that moment and you speak to us through your word. God, I thank you that your word transforms our lives. Father, I will admit that many times, like that GPS system, we allow things, cares of the world, busyness, hobbies, to act like those trees that block the signal and we disconnect from our positioning system. Lord, I I just ask that you would help us to realize that and to make a priority in our lives uh, of reading your word and then to to, to practice the spiritual discipline of saying, I want to get into the word, I want to dig and search for God's truths and and knowing that God uses it to change my life. Father, I just thank you for that. I pray that you forgive us for the times that we we doubt you, for the times that we are lazy in that approach. God, I thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy and for opportunities to do a restart, a reboot, a fresh start. And God, I pray that you would just give us that conviction that as we leave this place today, that we would look at your word uh, with a different perspective and that we would commit to digging into it and making it a part of our lives. And Father, we know, we already know, that your word changes us, and we know that we're going to benefit greatly from it when we do. Father, I pray for our country, as there are a lot of people that need to know the truth. And Lord, you are the truth. And God, I pray that as we as a nation are praying, and as we as a nation are seeking you in these difficult times, that Lord, you would just bring a great revival 
Lord, in the church, Lord, a, a group of people that hunger and thirst for your righteousness. And Lord, for those that are searching for you, Lord, like you showed us as uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, is the, the wisdom of your word that revealed to him and reveals to us how we can be made right with you. I pray, Father, that they would seek and find you as they open your word. Father, we thank you for this day. We ask that you would just be honored and glorified in our lives. And we ask it humbly in Jesus' name, amen.